Well, morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Woo! I'm a little late getting on stage because I had to find my new friend. Have you had the chance to meet Chuck? It's awesome. So if you're new here to Sea Road, maybe you don't know who Chuck is, and that's okay. We're getting to know him, too, because he's brand new to our community. He is our pastor of Next Steps and Care, and he comes all the way from the U.K. Woo. <laughs> he saw the light, he crossed the pond, and now he's in God's country. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Chuck and I did this podcast uh, earlier this year where I was able to introduce him a little bit to you all. Some of you listened to that. And we've heard that you've been waiting for round two of what that podcast looks like. So Chuck is completely unprepared for the series of rapid-fire questions that are about to come his way right here, right now. Are you ready? Pray for me. All right. So that's the microphone. Okay. You got. Is it on? Hello. Is it on? Okay, okay. Perfect. Sure. Here's where we're going, friends. First easy one. What's okay. your favorite book in the Bible? Favorite book. Yeah. Um, I think it's Exodus. Okay. Yes. Exodus. Yes. Um, do you want to follow up on that? Like, why? Because uh, Moses, I just love the character of Moses. Okay. You know, his frailties in the beginning and just the way he listens to God. Everything he did, he always went to God to consult. So I just love his story and the intimate relationship he had with God. You know, when God kept, kept him um, hidden in the cleft of the rock, it was really personal. And he had the boldness to say, God, I want to see your face. And that's what we all really want to strive for, to see God's face. I just love his relationship and his frailties. So, yeah, Exodus. Exodus. Yeah. All right. I wasn't expecting that one, but that sounds <laughs> okay. good. Let my people go. Let my people love go, it. indeed. Uh, what's your favorite part of Canada so far? Oh, my goodness. Everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, Everywhere. Okay, I'll, okay I'll perfect. Okay. okay, moving on. <laughs> just go ahead. Okay, um, when you drove us, so when you picked us up from Montreal and we drove back, I mean, the scenery was beautiful. It was breathtaking. So you took us down, is it the Sioux, the Sioux stretch was that The road? Long Sioux The drive. Long Sioux. Yeah, yeah. And all the islands and everything. So I think that moment for me just, just, just you know, it set us up for what to expect. Beautiful countries. That was a lovely moment. Yeah. yeah. Some of our people were probably panicking when you said the scenery's awesome because yeah. they've been on the 401. Okay. No, not, no, no, the 401. There's no. not a lot to see on no, the 401. No, 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 there is no. So <laughs> j just so everybody's aware, so high, 401 going west was closed, so we had to go on Highway 2. Okay. That, so, so we were right along the river, okay? <laughs> that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Because, yeah. The 401. Yeah, yeah, clarity. I'm not, clarity. No, it's, I'm not yeah, going yeah, I get that it. road okay. again. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. If you could eat only one thing for Ooh, an entire month. For an entire month. What would you eat? Definitely not poutine. Mm -mm. Why? Mm -mm. Why not? The first time you gave it to me, it was nice. I enjoyed it. But then I got it a second time all to myself. Yeah. Didn't go down well. Oh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Maybe the too much gravy. So poutine definitely is not something I want to live on. Okay. Because I wouldn't live, to be honest. If yeah, I yeah. Survive. Well, um, yeah. So uh, what I'd have to, what I live on would be apple pie. Apple pie. Apple pie. Apple pie. Apple pie apple with pie. lashings of cream. Although cream is not good for me, but I will take a hit for apple pie. Okay. Mm. Apple pie. Apple pie. So you heard that, folks, right? That's a hint, folks, yeah. Apple pie. <laughs> With lashings of cream. I don't oh, know. That sounds violent. It, it, well, yeah. Lashings of lashings cream. Lashings of cream. Just yeah, I don't know what that means. 
We're going to have fun. Okay, uh, what's your most, excited, most exciting part of being on the team at Sea road so far? Oh, my goodness, so he's, far. He's into the job for a week, okay? Yeah. So, most exciting part. So far is the staff, is the people. This week, it, this week has been so wonderful getting to know you guys. And, you know, Faye, you know, um, Donna Ray. Um, is it, is it not the Donna? Danny. 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 Yeah. Um, the whole team is, Glenn, it's just been wonderful being part of a team that just have a loving, serving heart. So what's made it wonderful is coming in and know I'm going to be working with these lovely people. So you guys have really made it warm. So it's the people. It's been just getting to know you guys. Yeah. One week and he's already kind of sucking up, eh? Yeah, yeah, I am, like, I am. It's you, the people. you know how this works, Jason. It's the Nick. people. I love the people. <laughs> His development review is next week. So. That's why. I know what this is. So doing. good. All right, Chuck, we're going to have a little bit of fun okay. before we invite Gemma, your wife, sure. and your two daughters up and, and just okay. have a, a chance for the church to see them. And, sure, and of course. We can pray for you as we That'll start our summer service. But what I've noticed is that there are differences between English English and Canadian English. Okay? And so what we're going to do is a little bit of a word association okay, game. Let's do it. I'm going to give you the Canadian English word. Okay. Then you give me the English English word. The correct sw- word. <laughs> sorry, 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 folks, sorry. <laughs> the original, and then maybe we just enhance the original. Okay, okay? we'll go with that. Okay, okay. ready? Sure. Okay, I'm ready. I got four for you. Okay, let's go. French fries. Chips. No. Chips? No, it's not chips. Okay. What, what's the French? Why French and fries? It's chips. Potato chips. It's okay, Jason. Don't worry. No. That's okay. See, we, we get into a whole debate here. We're not going to... But chips come in a bag. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, you open them. You Little flavors. Crisps. See? Crisps. No. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. There's okay. an apple crisp. We'll talk about that yeah, later. We, we, will. Okay. we will. We will. We will. Transport truck or semi-truck? What do you call it? Transport truck? Yeah. Or semi-truck? Yeah. We so, saw all so, of these on the... It's a lorry. No. It's yeah. a lorry. A lorry is who's going to be playing piano later. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you guys clearly abandoned the Queen's English a long time ago. A long time oh, okay. ago. Okay, that's okay. all right. That's okay. Bathroom. Bathroom? Yeah. That's what... No, it's a toilet. Or is it a loo? Okay. Yeah. Or is it a bog? There's the one. There's the one. A bog. A bog. I need the bog. No. No? Mm-mm. I need the loo. See, I grew up in like Farmerville, Saskatchewan. <laughs> a bog is like a swamp, dude. Yeah, it makes sense. It's I'm going not... to the... Yeah, it makes okay. sense, surely. Here's the last one. Okay. Jesus. Ah. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, see, some Jesus. things translate. Jesus. It's a wonderful Jesus. thing. Yes, amen. At this time, I'd love to invite Gemma and Noel and Tabitha up on stage to come join us. Um, man, Chuck, you are, you are an answer to prayer. Oh, man, thank you. We've been praying for the right person at the right time with the right gift mix, and God has sent us you and your family, and we're so excited. Thank you so much. So excited, to, uh, so excited we just can't hide it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you want me to break into a dance here? <laughs> All right, so why don't you introduce your family? Okay. So this is my oldest. This is Noel. Say hello. Hi. Okay. She's not, okay, sorry. 
Um, this is Tabitha, Hi. my seven-year-old. Hi. Hi. There we go. There we go. And this is my beautiful, lovely wife, Gemma. Did you just have to remember my name? <laughs> no, there was a pause. There was a pause. There was a pause. <laughs> unscripted, man. It's unscripted. unscripted. That's what it is. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you all are a blessing. And we are so glad that you're here. And I know, Gemma, you had a, a few things you wanted to share. So uh, now's the time. I really wanted to tell you all um, something special about our journey and something really special about you all. God's calling on us to come here uh, was really profound. And later on, we'll be able to um, talk more about um, testimonies about how that happened. But I want to share something really important with you, um, just to show how God's provision and trust and obedience in him works. So when we had, when it had been confirmed by God to me that this was the place to come, um, I went out on a prayer walk and I was talking with God, and in my work back at home, um, I was like a coordinator for children with special needs, and my job involved a lot of planning and preparation and, and thinking ahead. And as I walked on this prayer walk, I was thinking, okay, what can we sell? What can we do to prepare for this move that it all works perfectly? And God said very clearly to me, Gemma, you're not to sell a single thing. You're to give every single thing you've ever owned away. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he, he said it again. He said, I don't want you to sell anything. I want you to, to bless others, and I want you to trust in me. And I came back to Chuck, and I said, Chuck, I think this is what God is calling of us when we're here. And Chuck said, that's really strange because God had been speaking to him in his prayer time, saying exactly the same thing. Mm. So um, we gave every single thing at home, beds, furniture, car, everything away. And it was indeed a true blessing because we got to see, we got, we, we got blessed in seeing how others um, were blessed through, our, through what God had given us. But, but as the time approached to come here, I'm thinking, how are we going to sleep? How are we going to live in a house where we won't have the money to have anything? Because everything that we'd accumulated had, had been given. And I thought, okay, we'll treat it as a camping trip. And Jason so kindly had said, what is it that you need? And I thought, well, maybe he'll be able to provide some bedding and maybe he'll be able to provide some cutlery maybe for us to eat from. And I thought to myself, in all honesty, when we came here, treat it like a camping trip. And if we have to sleep on the floor with a, with a, with a pillow and whatnot, we'll, we'll make it fun, you know? God, God will see us through. But when we arrived here, our whole house, every single thing that we had given away was in our home and provided by you guys, you know, by the church, by our new family. And uh, God show us something in that. He show us about obedience to him. In the things that you think you cling on to, that give you security, it doesn't give you security. The only thing that gives you security is Jesus. 
And I just wanted to thank you all, not only for the provision and the things and the plates and the, and the cups and the couches and the beds and everything that we now have, but the time that people spent doing our garden, cleaning our home, praying for our move. Because it wasn't easy. Our move wasn't easy. There were many times that the enemy was trying to um, have his way, all the way. <laughs> but you know what? Your prayers got us through. And I just wanted to say thank you so much from the bottom of my high heart. Thank you. Welcome. As we uh, kick off our, our worship through song portion of our service, would you join me in standing? We're going to pray for this family. And if you feel so comfortable and, and you're, you're cool with prayer, uh, if you want to reach out a hand towards the family and join me as I, I pray, it's going to be a, a time of commissioning because this is a, a new season for us as a church, a new season with a familiar God who is leading us forward. And uh, this is the next piece of the adventure along the way. So let us pray together. Jesus, we are so thankful that you are the great provider. Everything that we need can be found in you. Thank you, Father, for Chuck and Gemma and Noel and Tabitha for their courage to say yes to your invitation. Thank you also for the men and the women in this church, the families, the young and the old, that also said yes to your prompting to participate in provision for this family. Father, this is just a small glimpse of your heart for our region and for our world. And as we dive into this summer season, we come before you asking, what next, Lord? Would you provide the way forward for us and allow us to be ambassadors of love and casters of hope wherever we go and wherever we are placed. Father, for Chuck and Gemma and the girls, I pray that you would take them deeper than they've ever been before, rooted in you so that their neighbors who do not yet know Jesus could find hope and life in you, Jesus so that the, the women and the men that they are to meet, the, the children that they are to meet, the classmates that they are to meet would be inspired to know you, Jesus. It is because of you, Jesus, that we have a reason to celebrate and gather. And so today, as we begin a new adventure, would you and your presence lead us forward evermore? We pray this in your name. Amen. Today, we start something new. This summer adventure into learning from characters from the book of Judges. Now, here's some of the things that, that we need to know about Judges itself, but also the English language. Sometimes our English language fails us. Take, for example, the word character, okay? When I say the word character, what comes to your mind? Just bring those thoughts to your mind. When I say character, what comes to mind? Sometimes it's about honesty or integrity. Sometimes it's about the way you treat people. Sometimes it's about a variety of things. Maybe a, a favorite person from a story or a movie, They're your favorite character. Have you ever heard this before? Ooh, that guy, he's such a character. Like when we say the word character, we don't always know what we mean 
in that one word. It's, just, it's kind of fun to, to play on English. The same thing can be said about the word judge or judgment. Now, in my lifetime, which isn't that long, it's just over 40 years. For some of you, you're like, oh, ancient. I get told that like every second day by my kids. You're ancient, Dad. And I'm like, no, I'm original. I'm original. Two kind of uh, trials have sort of captivated the attention of the world. The one, uh, the first one was the O.J. Simpson trial. I remember watching television and you're seeing this white Bronco being followed by all these police cars. And we're like, oh, who's in the car? Who's in the car? The other one, Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. Captivated us. We're fascinated with this idea of judging. I'll be the judge of that. I'll be the judge of that. You know, we have things like American Idol or The Voice or whatever, where there's a panel of judges, and we love it. We love that people are determining whether or not something is awesome or something is poor. Did you know, in Roman culture, they had a very similar thing? It was called the arena. And there was one judge, and the judge would either give a thumbs up for life or thumbs down for death. If we're honest, we take judgment or judging into our culture in so many ways, different, in different ways and different shapes and different forms. In fact, some of you have already judged what I'm wearing today. I know. It's true. I can't believe he's trying to pull that off. And some of you are like, man, he is pulling that off. Wow. Judgment is subjective. Judgment is subjective. So we've got this whole book in the Bible called Judges. What is it actually all about? It has nothing to do with subjectivity. It has everything to do with geopolitical leaders who are raised up at the right time by God for a reason and for a purpose. And this summer, we're going to dive into so many of these characters from this book because we want you to be immersed in what God might have for us through the lens of these stories. And the cool thing about it is you can take all of these characters and they can be isolated, standalone learnings. But when you string them together, there's even more that we can uncover and discover together, which is going to be really fun throughout this summer. So starting here this last Sunday in June, all the way through to the end of August, we're going to be looking at different characters from this book. The first character that we're going to briefly look at is the very first judge, this geopolitical leader that God raised up for his family, the nation of Israel at the time, a man named Joshua. Just really briefly, because the book of Judges actually begins with his death. So we're going to look at that just briefly in a few moments. If you uh, want to find the book of Judges in your Bible and follow along, that'd be great. Or you can go on the YouVersion Bible app and go to Sea Road Live and you can find out what sections of text we are going to look at for one another. I'm going to talk about three different things from the life of of Joshua and the nation of Israel that we can learn right here, right now, as we lead into our summer, which kind of opens up so many different possibilities. But before I start reading, I want to give you some other layers of context for the book itself so we understand the immensity that we're about to uncover. The book of Judges. 
covers a 400-year period of history in the nation of Israel. 400 years. So it's not that long, but every time you're turning a page, you're like turning decades. You're learning something new. You're seeing something different. The other interesting thing about the book is it, it follows a very similar pattern, which I think kind of mirrors our context for life today. You've got this pattern where the nation of Israel is rescued and saved by God and given a vision. Hey, let's go forward. Let's do this. They sort of embrace it. Then they kind of distance themselves from it, get into trouble, cry out to God and say, save us. And then God raises up another judge, a geopolitical leader, to kind of carry them forward. And then they, they kind of move forward again. Then they kind of distance themselves from God. And they mess up again. They get into trouble. They cry out to God, save us. That's the pattern that you see. And throughout the book itself, you'll see that these judges that are, are kind of raised up by God get a little bit worse. They start really well and they get a little bit worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And we're like, man, by the end we're going like, whew, what can we learn from that dude? It's also, for those of you who like violence and gore, it's the most violent and gory book in the entire Bible. So there you go, fun summer study. Let's talk about judges. As I mentioned, we're going to be looking from th at three different things from the life of uh, the nation of Israel and, in particular, Joshua. I'm going to start in chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and help us uncover this first thing. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, which tribe should go first to attack the Canaanites? The Lord answered, Judah. For I have given them victory over the land. The men of Judah said to their relatives from the tribe of Simeon, Join with us to fight against the Canaanites living in the territory allotted to us. Then we will help you conquer your territory. So the men of Simeon went with Judah. I told you it was violent. Here's what we know. Book of Judges starts with the death of one of their greatest leaders a man named Joshua. Joshua was an apprentice to, as Chuck said, one of his favorite characters of the Bible, Moses. Moses was best known for helping rescue the, the nation of Israel from slavery and captivity in the land of Egypt. The whole famous phrase where there are movies made out of, let my people go. Josh, at a very young age, was witnessing Moses' leadership in action, learned from him, and actually did things that Moses himself could not do. Josh led the army. He was the fighter. He was the general. He was the leader of the troops. The mission that God had given them was not only to leave Egypt, but to go to the land and take the land that they were promised. Moses could lead him only so far. He ended up passing away along the journey for various reasons. And then it was given over to Josh, this, this idea of like lead them into the battle, the promised land. And he starts doing that, but along the way he also loses his life. And the nation has to make a decision on whether or not to continue the mission forward. It makes me think of one word. It makes me think of the word freedom. Freedom. Freedom isn't really free. 
The freedom that you and I enjoy is because of the sacrifice of somebody else. I grew up learning about the great world wars in school. Anybody else? If you've never heard of them, you can go back to grade four, grade five, I think that's when they uncover them. And you read story after story after story of somebody who willingly or in some cases reluctantly gave up their lives so that you and I could live. One of my favorite movies, Saving Private Ryan, there's this powerful scene with an older veteran individual who's in a cemetery area and he's visiting the headstone of, of a few names that early on in the movie we don't recognize, we don't know the significance of. And he says something along the lines to his wife, tell me that I've lived a good life. As you go through the rest of the movie, what you uncover is that this, this man who was this older gentleman in, in, this, in this scene was somebody that a group of people were sent to rescue because several of his brothers had already given up their lives. And for some reason, the army didn't want this family to lose all of their sons. So they wanted to rescue this one son. Their mission was to save Private Ryan. And along the way, several of them gave up their own lives so that this guy could live. And their encouragement was that they, he would take advantage of the freedom that he'd been given. Use it wisely. Now you overlay that story into the, the biblical reality and, and what you uncover is you and I have the very same opportunity that this private Ryan had. You and I were bought at a price. Jesus gave up his life so that you and I could live. Not to just secure our eternal destination, but to give us life to the full right now. Now, some of you have asked me this question. Hey, Jason, what does life look like with a bunch of children? My reply sometimes is, it's full. Now, being full isn't always a good thing. It could be full of a whole lot of stuff. It could be full of attitude. It could be full of cleaning. It could be full of laundry. And so sometimes when we think that, that you know, God came, Jesus gave, gave us this gift of freedom, and, and it's, it's meant to give us life to the full, we're, we're, we have a certain expectation of what full looks like. And oftentimes we think full means easy. Full means simple. Full means everything that I've ever wanted is right at my fingertips. And the crazy thing is sometimes that's true, but not all the time. Life to the full can mean life to the purposed. And so what's in your hands right now could be something that you're like, I didn't ask for it. But it's been gifted to you. An obstacle, an opportunity, a challenge, a setback. And it's how you use that freedom that could make all the difference. 
The other thing about freedom is sometimes the way we choose to live free, actually it becomes at the detriment of somebody else. Now if I was a Canaanite and I'm reading this, I'm going, wait a minute. This free people is coming to fight me. I don't know if that's going to make me feel free. Freedom's a dangerous thing. We can feel like we have the freedom to do something, but when we do that one thing, it could be at the detriment of somebody else. We all have opinions. Have you ever shared your opinion and unintentionally cratered somebody else? Caused them harm? You've heard me joke from stage about my favorite hockey team and how they are vastly superior than other hockey teams. That's my opinion. I believe it's the right opinion. Most of you are sane and agree with me. Some of you are not. And you disagree. My freedom to express my opinion is helpful for some and detrimental to others. That's why when we walk in freedom, it is so important that we keep Jesus as the focus. As the focus of our freedom. There's an old phrase that was used years and years ago. What would Jesus do? You could get bracelets and t-shirts and even tattoos. WWJD. I think a better question is this. How would Jesus live? How would Jesus live? In the freedom that we've been given, how would Jesus choose to live? When we've got political divide between the left and the right and nobody seems to want to work together. When we've got difference of opinion. When we've got tragedy after tragedy that we're trying to rationalize and understand. When we're trying to communicate what character and judgment and integrity and freedom actually look like. How would Jesus choose to live? How would Jesus choose to live? This summer, if you take nothing else forward with you, maybe, maybe that's the one question that will be your source of inspiration as you go on a camping trip or you paddleboard on the river or you try and go fishing at Charleston Lake and stay away from the water snakes, whatever you're going to be doing. Hey, it's real. Water snakes in Charleston, come on. You all know, you've seen them. Right? How would Jesus choose to live? When I ask myself that question, you know what I, what I discover? Sometimes I fall short. How would Jesus choose to live being a dad in my household? How would Jesus choose to live being a leader in my household or an influencer? How would Jesus choose to live being a neighbor? Hey, Jason, what are you up to right now? I'm cleaning my pool. What do you need? Hey, do you want to have a conversation for 90 minutes? No, I do not. (laughs) How would Jesus choose to live? Freedom always comes at a price. The price that Jesus paid was the ultimate. His life in exchange for ours. To experience true freedom, you have to. You have to be rooted in Christ. If you're not, Anything else is a a lesser thing. 
It's a forfeit experience, a counterfeit reality. Freedom. Freedom is rooted in Jesus. Freedom is a great responsibility and a privilege for us to have. How are we using our freedom? How are we using our freedom to help others love and live like Jesus? There's a second idea that comes from, again, the life of Joshua, which is interesting because we've killed Joshua in the first verse here, but in the second chapter, it talks about him again because sometimes our legacy, our story lives beyond us. Here's what it says in verse 7 of the second chapter. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Here's the second thing that I want to highlight from the beginning stages of the book of Judges and the life of Joshua, and it's the word leadership. Leadership. It's an often misunderstood and confusing word. Sometimes we need a synonym to help us kind of create a layer of understanding. So the synonym I'm going to give you is influencer. Influence or influencer. A leader is somebody who influences. Because of Josh's leadership, the nation, the family of God was on the right course, the right track. In the absence of leadership, Christ-centered, God-honoring leadership, chaos can ensue. And even when that leadership is in place, chaos can still ensue. There's just a higher probability that you're going to be able to navigate through that storm, that journey, that adventure, and that setback when good Christ-like leadership is in place. You know what this reminds me of? That I need to pray. I need to pray for leaders. Hey, there are leaders in our country that I may not agree with. Shocking, right? You know what I'm called to do? Not criticize. See, that comes way too easily to me. I don't know about you. Way too easily to me. It's like when somebody comes and talks to me about their favorite soccer team. And I'm like, man, well, they're not Liverpool. I can easily go into critique mode. But you know what I'm invited to do? Go to prayer mode. I may not have voted for the elected officials that we have in our setting and in our context, but I am invited to pray for them. For Prime Minister Trudeau, I pray. For Michael Barrett, I pray. For our own mayor, who is in term right now, I might want to criticize but I pray. For our provincial leaders, Doug Ford, his cabinet, our local friends, Steve Clark, you know what I'm called to do? Pray. Pray, pray. Because if we believe in a God that can do incredible, miraculous things, then a God that allows leaders to get to the place that he, they get to can still get to the places that we can't get to. And that's their heart. 
We can pray for their hearts. We can pray for their minds. We can pray that God would intercede, that God would move. What we're going to learn through the book of Judges is that if we humble ourselves and pray, God will rescue us even when he knows we're just going to get ourselves in the same conniption later on. He is moved by those who would create a, a, a pathway forward through humility and prayer. If we could pray, that'd be amazing. The greatest thing that we need from you as a church staff team is your prayers. Pray. Pray for our families. Pray for our marriages. Pray for our children. We want to pray for you in the same way. And here's the thing. Each one of us is a leader. Okay, wait a minute. Each one of us, we are invited to lead ourselves. The, the choices, the decisions that we make are a reflection of our influence and what's influencing us. That's why one of our dreams over the summer that we launched a couple of weeks ago was, hey, find three people that you can start investing in. You can start leading or influencing or a biblical word, discipling so that they can become more like Jesus, that they can learn to love like Jesus and live like Jesus. Find people that you can also have influencing in your life. Like, like who's shaping you right now? Some of my faith heroes have fallen. Guys that I looked up to. I'm tired of reading after sex scandal after sex scandal after sex scandal. I'm almost numb to it now. There's almost this expectation like, oh, okay, they're, they're going to fall. I need different layers of influence in my own life. You need that in your life. And then we get the privilege of being that in the lives of others. There's a whole collection of amazing women and men who invest intentionally in our next-gen community here at Sea Road. Isn't that amazing? Like, it is it's amazing. I, I spent a chunk of time of my life as a youth pastor. Now I don't know what to do with teenagers. I don't. I think they've outgrown me. They don't think I'm cool anymore. Even if I'm wearing an awesome fit. That means outfit. I'm learning. Leadership. Influence. What has access to your heart, what has access to your mind. Here's what we know. When Josh was in charge, the people thrived. And he multiplied himself because it says in verse 7, let me, let me read this again. And the leaders who outlived him, the leaders who outlived him. Some of you senior saints, people who have seen a whole lot more world than we have, have so much to give. So much to invest. It begins with prayer. And then taking advantage of whatever opportunity might bubble up. In terms of a word of encouragement over coffee or croquet. Whatever your decision or choice may be. Leadership matters. There's a third thing that I want to highlight. Again, 
from the life of Josh and in particular from the life of the nation of Israel. Chapter 2, starting in verse 10, let me read this. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashereth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time... Israel went out to battle. The Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he warned. And the people were in great distress. The third word from the life of Israel and the life of Josh that I want us to remember is the word remember. Remember, remember. The 5th of November. That's from another movie, don't worry. Remember. In other words, share the story. There are miracles that have happened in this community. Life-changing miracles. Some of them are known. Some of them are unknown. Some of them are still pending. How do we share the story of what God is doing? Were you all moved by what Gemma shared on stage? The first time that I heard her share that with me was the day after I had dropped them off at their place. Calling to check in, making sure the crazy English folk hadn't run away. I mean, they already ran away from a country to our country. Anything can happen. And to hear her say, every room that Chuck and I went into, there was something else that we'd given away that we didn't know would be provided for us. That moved me. I'm not a dude who's always in touch with my emotions. Sometimes I don't know what to do with them. But I got this wet stuff around my eyes. Seasonal allergies, I think. When we remember the activity of God, it is much easier to trust that God will make a way forward despite the insurmountable challenge we might be facing in the moment. And what we know is this group of Israelites, after their leadership, who was Christ-centered, who was focused, they stopped remembering, they stopped sharing the story. Maybe this summer... We need to remember what God has done. And we need to share the stories around tables, in kayaks, over, heaven forbid, more video calls. Write a letter, paint it on a wall, send a note, send a text message. Remember, 
If God has saved your marriage, there are people who need to know that it's possible to walk forward into life and marriage. If you've been redeemed and restored from a mental health challenge, there are people that need to know there is a way forward. Now here's the thing, when we remember, oftentimes, we're, we're terrible as this, at, at this as North Americans, we can turn remember into comparison. Oh, God provided for you my friend Judd. Here's a prime example. Judd moved to Ontario one year before I moved to Ontario. Judd was healed miraculously from liver cancer. There were black spots on his liver. I remember because we would pray together over the phone as he would go to appointment after appointment. Guess what happened? One appointment, they didn't show up anymore. They were so confused, they thought they'd lost his scan and changed it out with somebody else. And God, this isn't the only time that, that Judd's been miraculously provided for in various ways. And there are times in the remembering and in the celebrating with my friend that I'm like, oh my goodness, why can't that be me? And then it's great to have a friend like Judd who helps me remember the miracles that I overlook in my own life. He's like, hey, Jason, remember this and this and this and this and this. And I'm like, you know my story better than I do. What if we, over the summer, found pockets of time where we could just share how God has provided, how God has restored, how God was faithful, how Jesus is alive and active. We want the next generation which isn't just representative of an age group. It's a representative of a group of people who do not yet know who God is. We want them to be captivated by God. We need to share the stories of how God has provided. It's simple. We just share the stories. We don't have to have eloquent words or pictures. Just share the stories of the time when we didn't know where groceries would come from and then we went to our mailbox and there was a gift card in there or there was food on our doorstep or whatever it happened to be. Those things are undeniable. Why we're still here is to remember, remember, remember. And in our remembering, share that story. Unfortunately, what we do culturally is we wait to remember until somebody is no longer with us. But what if we put into practice remembering along the way? We've got a whole lot of summer ahead of us. I hope it's going to be amazingly beautiful weather like it is today. But even if it's not, we can still pray. Pray for our leaders. We can still ask Jesus, how do we live with the freedom that you've been providing to us each and every day. And we can still remember and share stories of how God has provided for us along the way. That's my encouragement. That's my hope. That's my desire. And I hope that you join that adventure alongside of us as we learn from these different characters from the book of Judges and how God provides for them despite 
their frailties and despite their, in some cases their massive character gaps God is still God and he can lead us forward so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to stand if you are able and willing and then I'm going to pray a prayer of commissioning over us as we dive into our summer because I'm not foolish I know some of you have plans to be on a boat or plans to be at your cabin and so we may not always be together each and every week throughout the summer but we can be together in learning to remember and learning to pray and learning to allow Jesus to lead us forward praying for three people who don't know Jesus and looking for three people and praying for three people that we can disciple and mentor and invest in those things we can do together despite not being physically in the same place. So let's pray. Father, it is so amazing that we can take something from your word, contextualize it, understand it in real time, in real life, and be inspired to grow in our love for you. And Jesus, I'm aware that there may be people here in person or online that are connecting with us that have yet to choose to follow you wholly and completely. If that is representative of somebody here in this space, Jesus, I ask that you would simply give them the courage to, and the words to lead them forward in this exploration of what a relationship with you actually means and looks like. And God, I'm fully aware that there's also people in this space that are connected to others that have maybe turned their back on you for some reason in this season. Usually it's because it's pain-oriented or because we've forgotten to remember what you've done up until this point. There's nothing too great for you. There's nothing that overwhelms you, Jesus. And so all those things that haunt us in the middle of our evenings or the nights or the mornings that keep us awake, could we collectively place them in your hands and trust that you're going to lead us through the foggy season that we might be in? Jesus, would we be a people that is known for how we pray for leaders that you have provided for us. And so today I pray for Prime Minister Trudeau, Premier Ford, members-elect Michael Barrett and Steve Clark, and our own mayor in Brockville, Mike. Father, would you draw them close to you? Some may deny that you exist. Some may claim that you exist. In either case, would you do what we cannot, and that would, would you speak to their hearts and to their minds? And in Jesus' name, would you grant them the ability to lead us well in this season? Father, as we dive into our summer with great intensity, would you allow us to use our freedom wisely so we are not a detriment to somebody else, so that we are an encouragement to somebody else. We trust you, Jesus, with all that we are, knowing that you will provide for everything that we need. We pray this in Jesus' name.